All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top notch insight and analysis. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome in. It is a March 14th edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. I hope everyone had a good weekend. And just like the GOAT, Tom Brady, Frank, we are back and ready to roll. Yeah, one week until the NHL trade deadline. Happy Pie Day, by the way. 3.14. Make sure to eat your pizza tonight. What's uh, what's your favorite kind of pie? Non-pizza, like a straight up baked good pie. Uh, no, I, I'm not a pie guy at all. I'm actually not a big dessert guy. I much prefer ice cream. Oh, oh there you go. My sister made an apple pie yesterday and brought some over to celebrate. So shout out to my sister for baking a delicious apple pie. Regardless, no one cares about that, Frank. They want to hear about hockey. So let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the board and start with this. The Vegas Golden Knights, four straight losses. The most recent came yesterday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Tensions are high in Vegas and in that organization. And head coach Pete DeBoer had some interesting words after the game. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I've never felt we're that far off. Um, you know, I, I think we're four games into this trip and, you know, I, I, I could argue we, we could have won every one of the games, but we found ways to lose and that's, that's troubling. And, you know, like I said, we've got to stop the bleeding. Chandler Stevenson of the Golden Knights also said after the game, quote, I'm sick of it. Everybody is sick of it. Everybody needs to dig deeper, grab their nuts and work. Frank, Pete DeBoer said they were kind of in every game. They're close. But the bottom line is this is a team with not just playoff aspirations, Stanley Cup aspirations, and they've dropped three of their last four to non-playoff teams. What's going to happen here in Vegas? Is something going to give soon? 
I don't know if something can give. I mean, it feels like they're on the precipice of making some kind of bigger move, and I don't know what that is. How do you trade? How do you properly evaluate this team at the moment, given what's on the shelf? I mean, it kind of flew under the radar this weekend. Matt Pacioretty didn't play. Riley Smith back in Vegas. They've got 36, 37, almost $40 million sitting on the shelf at the moment. Their goaltending is a mess. Robin Leonard on crutches, lower body injury, believed to be some kind of knee ailment that's in addition to his torn labrum in his shoulder. You know, you know, speaking of uh, grab your nuts from Chandler Stevenson, like this is nuts in your throat part of the season because they've now fallen out of a Stanley Cup playoff spot. If you take a look at the Western Conference standings based on points percentage, they're a team that, you know, needs to win every game. And, and you know, all these injuries, everything that's happened to the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't know that there's been better news for the Edmonton Oilers or the Vancouver Canucks. The Vegas Golden Knights have pretty much single-handedly dragged these two teams back into the race when it seemed like before they pretty much only had a shot to maybe catch the Dallas Stars. A lot of work to do to catch the Nashville Predators. The Vegas Golden Knights were sitting at a 650 points percentage not all that long ago, and they've come crashing back to earth here over the last five weeks. Yeah, and, and one thing that maybe could be their saving grace is with 21 games to go in the season, they do play Edmonton once. They play L.A., Nashville, Dallas once. They have these head-to-head matchups, but when you look at their play over the last week or so, like I said, losing to three teams that are out of the playoff picture in the Eastern Conference, you really wonder if those head-to-head matchups are even going to go their way. It'll be interesting to see what they do leading up to the deadline because, as you said, their cap situation is incredibly unique as well with the amount of bodies they have on injured reserve. Another big story from the weekend, Frank, was out in Hamilton, Ontario at Tim Horton's field. A nice little tie in there as well with the legend Tim Horton having played for both the Sabres and the Leafs and the field being named after Tim Horton's obviously are being uh, sponsored by Tim Horton's. Some great visuals as we always get with these outdoor games. But the big takeaway for me was just how heated this thing got at the end. The Sabres, as they've done recently, playing spoiler a little bit and and playing really well against some high-end competition. But that guy, Austin Matthews, you just saw him. He got real heated there towards the end of the game. A cross-check on Darlene. He has a hearing today. Let's start with that. What do you what do you think is going to happen here? How many games are we looking at for Matthews, or does he maybe get away with this? Yeah, Tim Peel broke it down. I don't think they're having a hearing unless they're planning to suspend him, unless Matthews can present some sort of evidence as to give himself a reason why he should have thrown that type of cross-check where kind of looks like he uses every fiber in his body to get that leverage to get up there and cross-check Darlene in the face. You watch it over and over again. I mean, Darlene didn't use his stick. Like, it wasn't, there wasn't anything here from his end that was incredibly abnormal. What I see there is the frustration boiling over for Austin Matthews and the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is a big reason why a situation like this you know, you look at the total circumstances, Tim Peel, our rules analyst, wrote on dailyfaceoff.com overnight, breaking down this sequence, saying, look, this is a reaction from a player that if this occurs in the first period of a close game, probably keeps his cool. And instead, you have a situation where the Leafs have now given up for the 10th time in 12 games, four or more goals, this time coming in the Heritage Classic, which should have been a memorable afternoon for the Toronto Maple Leafs and instead ends up being memorable for all the wrong reasons. You're embarrassed outdoors with the entire country watching and including a significant chunk of the United States as well on TNT. 
you're losing to a team that entered the day in 29th place in the league in points percentage. And you've got a full-fledged problem on your hands in terms of the net. Peter Morazic has been given every single opportunity possible to try and, you know, run with the ball, to use a CFL term. Like, he had the opportunity this week and last. You know, this is your net. You know, seize it for the Stanley Cup playoffs and beyond. To answer the first question, I think Austin Matthews is probably in the two-game range. Uh, doesn't have a long rap sheet. Uh, someone that was a Lady Bing finalist last year for Gentlemanly Play. But at the end of the day, something has to give for the Toronto Maple Leafs. By the way, the Buffalo Sabres, Tyler, they took down the Vegas Golden Knights a couple days earlier. Now the Toronto Maple Leafs, two teams that are scuffling, that have high expectations, that both have issues in net. It's kind of funny to look back on that Jack Eichel trade, the way Vegas is floundering and the way guys like Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs are playing for the Buffalo Sabres. It uh, really has a lot of people looking back on that deal from earlier in the season. Speaking of uh, trades, obviously the deadline is seven days away, Frank. And last season, in the seven days leading up to the deadline, we had a total of 16 deals. Eight of them came the day before the deadline on April 11th. So that means eight and sort of the six days leading up to that as well. Uh, we talked about it a little bit today on the DFO rundown. Self and Jason Greger seem to think it's going to be, you know, a, a little quiet leading up to the deadline here. Can you really see that changing or do you think we're in for another four or five days of just kind of speculating without any sort of hard news? Well, I, I could see these two teams in Toronto and Vegas really trying to get ahead of it, uh, especially when they maybe in ultimately end up competing for the same position and trying to improve themselves. Two teams that clearly need an upgrade in goal, and so if that's the case, well, then how are they going to handle that? Um, you know, are they are they indeed working against each other potentially, maybe even for the same player? So uh, I think that's you know maybe sort of the wild card in that. How much longer can this go on in Toronto? How much longer can it go on in Vegas? But other than that, Tyler, I think this is a buyer's market. I think there's more players available than and more sellers than there are hardcore buyers. And in this case, I think they're all kind of hoping not just for salary cap reasons but also for acquisition cost reasons to try and get that price down by waiting as long as possible. That's the market that I see shaping up. I think we'll have some trades by the weekend, but you know, I'd be surprised if it's really teaming in action until we get closer to the deadline itself. Which isn't exactly bad news for all the action to wait till deadline day, especially if, oh, I don't know, you're planning a three and a half hour live trade deadline show like we'll be doing here at Daily Faceoff. And we'll have we'll have we'll have all the fun news about that dropping a little bit later today on our social media. So keep it locked. But with it being a buyer's market, do you think that's will it stay that way or do you think there's a chance that maybe we get a big piece that moves early and it sets the market and maybe some of these buyers start to sit there like, let's say you really want Claude Giroux. You miss out on Claude Giroux. Do you sit there and start to panic a little bit? And could the prices maybe get higher as you go to the deadline? Or do you think it's the opposite of what I'm saying and the prices could drop as we get closer to the deadline? Yeah, I just see the prices probably continuing to drop. I mean, okay. the Calgary Flames got out in front of it. They got a guy that had some term and, and were willing to step up and pay. And, and Toffoli has fit perfectly. But in terms of the rental market... You know, like I said, uh, there's lots of teams that are buyers that are looking for guys with a bit of term that uh, that may not necessarily move at all. So, um, you know, I'm looking at the rental market. and I'm saying these guys are probably going to want to try and wait as long as possible to see what they can get. I'll give you a great example on the goaltending front. 
Jonas Corpusallo, the the Columbus Blue Jackets had a couple teams interested and on the line going back a number of months now before this season really started to play out. Now they're sitting here a week before the deadline with a guy that they know they're not going to be re-signing and bringing back. And I'm told they're scrambling on a guy like Corpusallo. They're saying, well, we were probably hoping for a second round pick or a third round pick. Now we're looking at a late round pick and let's just try and pull the trigger and get this done as quickly as possible. Maybe we can move him to one of these teams that's looking for some goaltending help. I don't know that he's the answer at this point with a second straight season with subpar numbers that teams are looking at to say, well, it even makes sense to go down that path. So that's just an example of of teams waiting as long as possible to try and uh, you know, potentially get prices lower. And uh, like I said, next Monday, we'll be going live at our usual noon Eastern, but we'll be running it all the way up until half an hour past the deadline. Exciting details dropping later today on Daily Faceoff. Frank, there is no more popular currency at the deadline than the first round pick. Every rebuilding team wants it. It's the asking price for seemingly everything. You have a piece coming up on Daily Faceoff about exactly that. And you note that an average of four first rounders have been dealt at each deadline over the last decade. My question to you to start, how many teams this year do you think are seriously consider moving a first for help? I think it's somewhere in the seven to eight team range. And you can take a look at some of the teams that would be in that market. But here's the interesting part about it. There's two things. Uh you know, I have nine teams listed here that could be in that mix. These are teams that have 2022 first round picks, but four of these teams that I'd expect to be somewhat active, the Colorado Avalanche, the Florida Panthers, the Vegas Golden Knights, for reasons we just mentioned, they don't have 2022 first round picks. They only have 2023 currency to deal. And that's actually a-okay with some of these teams that are looking to make trades because the interesting part of the story that I just posted on dailyfaceoff.com is that really for the first time in a long time, you'd probably have to go back to 2014 ahead of the Connor McDavid draft in 2015 to see a time when teams actually prefer to get one year later's pick than the current draft year. And there's a lot of reasons, and we'll dive into those shortly with Chris Peters, but teams see this and see 2023 picks as more valuable. They perceive 2023 to be a deeper class. I don't know that scientifically we can know whether that's actually the case or not, but that seems to be the preference. And I think the trickle-down effect, Tyler, is not just with first-round picks, but it's also going to be with second, third, fourth-round picks that we see moved. If teams actually perceive it to be a deeper class, then they're going to prefer and ask because they see those picks as more valuable for 2023 picks instead of 2022. If we could just flash back up the list of the teams there, because I thought it was interesting, those teams with 2023 first rounders that you mentioned, you know, that's kind of the group who maybe doesn't have a ton of money to spend and things like that. But that 2022 group, LA and New York specifically, you know, I always think of spending a first round pick for a rental and it always makes me gulp because I'm like, man, if that rental walks and you bow out in the second round, like that deal can look ugly. Look at the Felino trade for the Leafs last season, right? But you look at LA and New York and those are two teams that strike me and correct me if I'm wrong, could they maybe look to use their first for a piece that helps them this year and the year after that and the year after that? Yeah, I think there are probably teams that if they're trading their first round pick would want to be getting players back that have some term on their contract. We had Luke Robitaille on the DFO rundown today and, you know, we were talking about their deadline plans and he mentioned that they're after players with heart. You know, I can think of no better upgrade for their second line left wing spot than a guy like Brandon Hagel from the Chicago Blackhawks. The Kings are loaded with prospects. Again, just my pure speculation 
What if you were looking at something like a first round pick and one of your prospects that you have, which he acknowledged can't ultimately all make the uh, the roster at some point. They're going to have to trade some of these guys away in order to get a guy like Hagel, who then has two additional years at a real team friendly $1.5 million. I think the New York Rangers, they were willing to trade their first round pick all day long in order to try and get a player like JT Miller back. I don't think Miller is actually available, which is the reason why he doesn't end up on this list for players that could bring back a first round pick at this year's deadline. You know, I, I think the Seattle Kraken, for instance, are going to try really hard to get a guy like a first round pick for a guy like Mark Giordano. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's in the second round range, but these are the guys that if they're going are likely going to include a first round pick. And I should say of note, one, we're waiting on some news and information on Jacob Chikrin and his injury status. And two, the market has been collapsing a bit on a guy like Ben Sherratt. They've been asking for the David Savard package, a first and a third round pick. I don't think they're getting that. Does that mean they still end up getting the first? Maybe. We'll see what ends up happening there with the Montreal Canadiens. Absolutely no shortage of storylines as we creep closer to the NHL trade deadline. But let's stick on the topic here of first round picks and bring in our friend Chris Peters with the next wave. The next wave, as always, delivered by our friends over at DoorDash. And Chris, it is deadline season. There will be picks and prospects on the move. But as Frank just touched on, teams reportedly, you know, preferring in some points a 2023 first rounder over a 2022 first rounder. Are they right to do that? Is that 2023 draft that much better than the one we'll have coming up this summer? Well, I think it comes down to the top of the draft being more exciting in 2023. I really think that that's the main difference. You've got Connor Bedard, Matt Vay-Michkov, which comes with a whole mess of other you know, complications, including the fact that he's under KHL contract until 2026. But you, know, you look at the group that we have here on the list, and Adam Fantilli is uh, a tremendous player. So if you're looking at the guys right after. You know, you've got Fantilli, you've got Benson, who's had a tremendous season in the WHL. Charlie Stramel, who was injured for half the year. Um, he's a six foot three, 215 pound power forward that skates like the wind. Um, guys like him don't really grow on trees. So his, his numbers don't look all that great, but he was out for half the season, over half the season. And now he's back. He's headed to the University of Wisconsin next year. And there are plenty of other guys that aren't on the list that have created some buzz, like uh, Matthew Wood in, in the BCHL and also, um, uh, Deliber Dvorsky, who's currently playing in Sweden, but he's just one of those great young Slovakian players that's creating a lot of hype. So um, that's where you get some intrigue. And, and I think that that's where we, when we talk about the depth of a draft, we're usually actually just talking about the top of the draft. Um, and, and because we like Bedard so much and Fantilli so much, and obviously Michkov, um, who could be the best Russian prospect since Alexander Ovechkin, you know, there's so many different kind of uh, factors at play here that make 2023 exciting. And not the least of which is that 2022, this hasn't been an amazing season for those players. You know, we've talked about the doubt and Shane Wright is the number one overall. The fact that there's not a lot of consensus at two, three, four, five, you know, that that kind of leads you to believe, well, hey, maybe this isn't as strong of a draft as we initially believed. A lot of guys have not lived up to expectations. So it does make 2023 a little bit more enticing uh, but there, I mean, there's a, obviously a lot of reasons for that, not the least of which is we talked about the top of the draft in 2023 looking a little bit more exciting at this point. 
So, Chris, we understand the top of the draft and how that may be more exciting for 2023. But if you're a fan of a team that's selling and is likely going to get back a pick and a team wants to trade you a 2022 first round pick, we talked offline. And for the story that I posted on dailyfaceoff.com, you're saying that, you know, if you do end up getting a 2022 pick in return, don't necessarily be upset about that because you think that there's upside in terms of at least getting a defenseman of value in this first round. Yeah, as of right now, you look at the 2023 class and not a ton of defensemen have jumped out as being, you know, those, those top tier guys. All the guys that we had listed in that top five were forwards. And and I think, you know, when you get down to like eight, nine, ten, you're still looking at forwards. So this year, you've got guys in the lottery range that are really good, like Simon Nemitz and David Juracek. Well, a lot of picks are going to be lottery protected in the Teams that are dealing first round picks are obviously not going to be picking in the lottery this year. So you got to look at that next year. And then we see guys like Kevin Korchinski in the WHL, um, you know, uh, Owen Pickering, and then like guys like Ryan Chesley at the National Team Development Program, Seamus Casey, Lane Hudson, guys that could be late first, early second round picks that look pretty decent right now that have some upside. Uh, guys like Sam Rinzel, uh, a Minnesota high school defenseman. So if you're, if you're a team that is light on defense and in the prospect realm, and you're trying to deal some picks, I think if you're going to hold on, if you're going to get a 2022 pick, you probably have a better shot at landing one of those top tier defensemen. I think this class has really started filtering up some more of those offensive minded, good puck moving defensemen that are creating a little bit more excitement as you move down the draft board, because I think a lot of the forwards from this year, have kind of faltered. You think about guys like Brad Lambert that everybody was so excited about going into this season. You know, he could be a mid first to late first round pick at this point with the way that he's played so far this season. So, you know, as, as that board has shifted, you're looking at a lot more defensemen. The one thing that, you know, we don't have a great read on for either class at this point, is there going to be a goaltender that emerges? Is there's going to be a guy that can kind of really step up and, and be a, be a top tier prospect. Haven't necessarily seen that for either class yet. But certainly, if it's defensemen you're looking for, 2022 is going to be the more valuable pick to you, I think. And then if it's, you know, looking for a chance at some of those lottery picks and lottery balls in in 2023, that's when you might want to lean towards one of those picks. Heading into the 2021 draft, Chris, we heard a lot of talk that, you know, the pandemic and it really limited the ability for in-person viewings and getting, you know, really good reads on some of these prospects. Are there still any of those concerns lingering in 2022 and maybe those will be gone by 2023 or are teams and their scouting staffs pretty confident now that even with the pandemic and with, you know, sort of a two years of living with it now, they've been able to get the reads they need to get solid, solid reads on these players? Yeah, you know, it's certainly better a better situation since you have players playing like last year, the Ontario Hockey League didn't play. But that being said, this is not a normal draft season either because so many players had their seasons disrupted last year. They missed time. I mean, even Shane Wright only played five games last season that counted at the World Under-18 Championship. And I think that we saw at the beginning of the season, it took him a while to kind of ramp up. And now he's kind of starting to hit his stride more. So as we've seen that, you know, the 2023 class, we're going to have a full year of pre-draft development, a full year of draft year development. And that's why we can see so much movement. So I think next year will be the most normal draft that we've seen since 2019. And so that that is probably another reason why 2023 picks are more valuable because you're going to have more information. You're going to have better information and the players will have had the correct runway to this season. Because, you know, you look, a lot of OHL players this year still are, you know, a lot of people are wondering, is this just them missing a year of development or is it a sign of things to come? 
did that missed year of development, is that something that's not going to come back for those players? Is that something that they're not going to be able to, that we don't have a good enough read on? That's why I think in 2023, we're going to see a lot of re-entry picks made in those, those that year as well, just because there's going to be more and better information. So that's a great, a great point. And I think it's something that I, you know, as I've talked with scouts, there are a lot of guys this year that they still don't feel they can get a correct read on, even though they're more confident, they'll still make the picks with, with, with confidence and everything else. But there are some guys that are certainly going to be lower on draft boards this year, just because there's enough questions about what that lost year of development meant. Chris, as always, the insight and analysis is fantastic. Just as fantastic as the quality of restaurants available on DoorDash. The promo code's bottom of the screen, DFODD, DFODD, US, 25% off, no delivery fees on your first order. That's a wrap on another edition of The Next Wave with Chris Peters. All right, Frank, let's get into our daily face-off inbox question. Hashtag AskDFO. It's fit check time, Frank Saravalli. The uh, uh, Maple Leafs and Buffalo Sabres, as we've seen kind of throughout the season, you know, really buying into the outdoor game, dressing up a little bit. You can see on the left there, the Sabres with the Flint Tropics gear on the right side. It was the Maple Leafs, you know, getting to work a little bit, putting on their hard hats and coveralls. Uh, which team had the better Heritage Classic drip? Definitely not the Maple Leafs. This felt like it was one step too far. Look, I'm all for the creativity. I'm all for teams showing some personality, doing something a little different. Don't know why this has become a thing in the NHL with regards to outdoor games. You get to show a little bit of that. Great. This felt forced. I, I get that they're trying to you know, give a nod to Hamilton, Hammertown, uh, Stelco, the big steel company in Canada. To me, it almost felt like a forced sponsorship kind of thing. The Leafs were shouting out Stelco on their Twitter account. And it, it just, it, it felt contrived. And that's really not the point of this. Like, I guess they're supposed to, you know, have your team dressed in uniform in unison. Um, I, I don't know. This one doesn't do it for me. And, you know, the projection of it too. You said the Leafs put on their hard hats and go to work. Like this team isn't a hard team. That's not their personality. I don't know. Just for me, I didn't like it. Um, you know, at least I would take the tropics and the semi pro for the Buffalo Sabres. I think it's at least fun. It's, you know, quirky. It's enjoyable. It's different. I don't know. The Leafs thing. Nah, I'm not a fan. And, and see, I didn't love the Sabres one either. Like for me, like at least when you had the blues and they wore their beach gear is like funny. There's a spin on it. Nashville had their leather jackets. That was cool. This is just like you know, it's the most overdone Halloween costume of the last 15 years. The movie's 20 years old. So I was kind of like, eh, like that wasn't super original. The Leafs one, at least, I don't know, when I first saw it, I was like, hey, that's kind of cool. Like it's a nod to Hamilton, Steel Town, all of that. But then you're right. When I kind of saw like Stelco being tagged in the post, I was like, oh, like, did you do this because it was like neat and you wanted to dress up? Or did you do this because you had an ad deal with Stelco and you had to tag him in some stuff before the game? So uh, I liked the Leafs at first. But you're right. It did feel maybe a little bit forced. Um, but let's keep moving on here. Daily face off, uh, daily bets segment. And Frank, after a weekend that was loaded with games, we get one game on a Monday and it's a battle of the basement feeders and the Arizona Coyotes and the Ottawa Senators. So I'll be honest, there's not a lot I love in this hockey game, but I still do have a play. So let's load it up courtesy of our friends at points bet. And I'm actually rolling with the over in this hockey game. It's set at an even six. I probably wouldn't have touched it if it's at six and a half, 
just because, you know, at least this way you have that little bit of insurance in the form of a push if the game ends 4-2 or 5-1. But these two teams did combine for 13 goals earlier this month when they met. And for Arizona, the overs hit in three of five games for them so far this month. For Ottawa, it's hitting four of their seven games in the month of March. So both these teams have been pretty good at hitting the over as of late. A ton of goals last time they met. I think there's going to be some offense here when the Coyotes roll into Ottawa to take on the Senators. And the fact that it's at six, paying out minus 105, that's enough reasons for me to be all over the over in this hockey game. And I don't have a player prop today. So actually, I figured, you know, a week out from the deadline, let's take a look at the Stanley Cup odds. We even checked in on those in a few months here on the Daily Faceoff Show. The Ottawa, or sorry, the Colorado Avalanche, not the Ottawa Senators, are sitting at the top at plus 400. Tampa, Florida, both 700. And the angle I'm kind of looking at here is as we get to the deadline, teams that make a big splash will get a jolt in their odds. The public money will come in. People will start to pay more attention to them. And the two teams I'm kind of looking at, Frank, are the New York Rangers and the St. Louis Blues. You mentioned the Rangers as one of those teams with a first round pick. We talked about them being a team that can make a splash and grab a player who could be around for a few years, but help them for their upcoming playoff run. I wonder if they move that first round pick I think it could shoot up their odds from 20 to one all the way up to 14, 15 to one even. So if you were someone who's eyeing up the Rangers with Igor Shesterkin between the pipes as a team you like to potentially win the Stanley Cup, this might be the last shot you get to grab them at those 20 to one odds to win the cup. And I wonder about the Blues as well. And if they get the itch to go make a big splash, I don't know exactly what they would do if it's a defenseman or one of the high end forwards on the market. But if they go out and they make a big move, you're not getting them at 25 to one. Again, they're jumping inside that 20 to one window. So the Rangers and Blues are two teams I'm looking at. If you like them to win the cup, it might be sort of last chance Texaco here to go grab uh, them at the odds they're currently posted at, Frank. Yeah, I love the Blues pick, Tyler. Uh, 25 to one at the moment. And they're a team that I think could get a defenseman and a forward. I think they're a team to really watch in the Claude Giroux sweepstakes. They've been working really hard to try and convince his camp that they could be a good suitor. They'd have to move some dollars in order to make something like that work. But if they're able to do that, I give them as good a chance as anyone to knock off the Colorado Avalanche if someone's going to do it in the Western Conference. Them, the Calgary Flames, you see Calgary way down at 1,000 to 1 or 10 to 1. You know, you see yeah. uh, the Blue is 25 to 1. I don't know. It could be a real good value play, as you mentioned. Yeah, it could be. And the other thing, too, is, you know, throw a little bit of money on them at 25 to 1. Those odds get better. Let's say at some point the Blues creep up more to that 10, 12 to 1 range. You might even get a decent cash out option depending on your book as well. So it, it's a really interesting spot to maybe take a peek at some teams who could make big splashes at the deadline and see their odds shoot up. Frank, let's wrap up the show with a little garbage time. What caught your attention over the weekend? It was Miko Koivu's ceremony as his banner was raised to the rafters, his number nine, the first number retired in Minnesota Wild franchise history. Really kind of like the first banner that the Minnesota Wild have really ever hung in their franchise history because they really haven't had a ton of success to speak of. And I just love seeing the emotion and reaction from Koivu, such a proud guy, such a guy that uh, really competed in his time at the Minnesota Wild. He was one of those guys that showed up every single night. Uh, twice he was in the top five in Selkie balloting. 
Um, you know, I always kind of wonder, you know, when you see a guy that doesn't put up huge numbers, but was a mainstay with your team for so long as a leader, you know, I was sort of on the fence about maybe this choice by the wild to retire the number nine of Miko Koivu, uh, one of their franchise leaders, more than a thousand games played with the Minnesota wild. But when I see this, I was like, wow, that's pretty special to see the reaction and to see how proud he was. Certainly someone that left it all on the ice and gave it everything that he had for the Minnesota Wild. So uh, certainly love to see that. And congratulations to Miko Koivu. Yeah, it's always a great scene. It always gets me when, as we saw there, the players on the ice, they're getting emotional and they got their kids and their family out with them. The number retirements are always an emotional scene. Uh, Frank, it's going to be a wild week around the NHL and we'll be with uh, with you every step of the way here on the Daily Faceoff Show Monday through Friday. And then, of course, our big trade deadline show coming up next Monday, three and a half hours, commercial free, all live again. Keep it locked on our social media channels for the official announcement later today. Until then, keep it locked on Daily Faceoff for all your hockey needs. Frank Cervalli, I'm Kyle Uramchuk. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Face-Off Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.